got about 30 minutes here. And so, let's do what we got to do here. Have you ever just, you know, have you ever just like had this one, this something, right? Just this something that you wanted it so much, you wanted it so bad. And, you know, a lot of times you, you got all kinds of plans for it, right? You got all kinds of plans that you just, man, you, you, you've just been waiting for it for so, so long. And you just can't wait to finally, you know, finally, hopefully one day to finally just receive it. Just to get a hold of it. You know, just to get a grasp of it. And you have all these plans and all these dreams and all these things that you want to do with that thing, whatever it is. And you just want it so much. You just want that thing so much. And finally, right? And finally, when you finally receive it, when you finally get it, when you're finally able to get a hold of it, you realize that it's nothing the way that you wanted it to be. And it kind of just ruined everything for you, right? Just kind of ruined your whole life, kind of ruined your whole, all your dreams and, you know, man. And you just become so disappointed. You're just so disappointed because you had, you had all these dreams, you have all these thoughts that you, and you had all these ideas already that, that, that you were going to do something so great, so magnificent with whatever it is that you wanted. And finally when you get it, it's just not, it just doesn't live up to your standard. Right? It's just nothing the way that you wanted it to be. And you're just so disappointed. I know, I was talking, I was, I, I kind of posted this on Facebook, okay, for those of you who are on Facebook. And I kind of posted this question a little bit. And Linda kind of shared a story about, about, um, about toys and cereal boxes, right? I know, I remember being a kid, I, I used to do that too, you know? You would buy those cereal boxes because you wanted those toys inside those cereal boxes, you know? And you wanted those toys so much, but every single time, you buy those cereal boxes and you get that toy and that toy never lives up to your expectation at all. It's always a bunch of just junk. Just a bunch of junk like, like what Linda was saying or, or she was saying that, that she was sent, you know, she was sent out for the toys and stuff like that and they will come and just, you know, all junk. And a lot of times as, as kids, we, we don't care for the cereal. We just want that toy, you know. We just want that toy and so that's all we buy. You know, we buy a whole bunch of cereal boxes just to get that toy, but we find out that toy never lives up to our, our expectations. As a kid, one of the things that, you know, I, I know nowadays, Power Rangers is very popular among the kids nowadays. I just took Eli to watch a Power Rangers about a week ago, and amazingly, he sat through the whole movie, you know? He usually doesn't do that, so he sat through that whole movie. But, but for my days, when I was growing up, it was Voltron. You know, those little lions and stuff like that, and, you, and, and they're robots, and you put them together, and, and, and they form a big robot. And I've always wanted those toys so much. I've always wanted my, you know, I've always wanted a Voltron. But finally, when you get, when you get it, it just doesn't live up to your own expectations. It's just not as good as you want it to be. And sometimes, you know, things like that goes with, as, as you get older and stuff like that, things like that also goes, goes along with your, you know, your, your cars and stuff like that. You, you'll say, you know, if I get this car, my life will probably be complete and you get that car. But, you know, it never lives up to your expectations. You get a house and things of that sort, but it never lives up to, to your expectations and things of that sort. That's Many times we want so many things from God and we have all these expectations. We have all these kinds of different standards that we want from God. And when finally when God provides these things to us, Many times it doesn't live up to what we expect it to be. And many times we become so disappointed in these things 
we just become so disappointed in it. And a lot of times we, we, we become angry over it. A lot of times we forsake God because of it. We turn away from God because of it. And as we read this passage here, here in, here in Matthew, as we read this passage here, we see Jesus Christ coming. He was coming into Jerusalem. And these people, the Jewish people, they were waiting for Jesus Christ for so, so long. For thousands of years, they were waiting for Christ. And they had their own expectations of who they wanted Christ to be. They had their own expectations of what they wanted their Messiah to be. About 60 years or so before Jesus Christ was born, the Romans took over Judea. And they, they ruled over Judea. And so for the Jews at that time, what they were really looking for was they were looking for a warrior king. They were looking for a political leader. They were looking for somebody to come as the Messiah and to overthrow the Roman government and to set them free. That was their expectations. That was their standard. And as Christ was coming, as he was coming into Jerusalem, they were throwing cloaks on the, on the ground. They were throwing palms on the ground, welcoming him. They wanted him so much, so much for him to become their king. He want, they wanted so much for him to become their political leader, to lead this rebellion against the Roman government at that time. And yet when he came, he did not live up to their expectations. He did not live up to their standing. And we can see that in the city of Jerusalem, by the end of the week, people were yelling, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Because he simply just didn't live up to what they expected. And they were so disappointed in that. Because what they wanted and what God had planned for them were two different things. And I know a lot of times in our lives we... We have all kinds of plans. We have all kinds of ideas and things like that. And we go to God and we ask God to give us all these things. And sometimes God gives it to us, but it doesn't live up to our standards. I know, I know a lot of us, including myself, many times we've been so disappointed in God. We say, God, why do you give me this thing that, that doesn't even, it's not even what I wanted. It's not what I need. I needed something else. But yet you're giving me something that doesn't fulfill my needs at all. Nowadays, a lot of times, churches are trying to fulfill the needs of the people instead of trying to, instead of proclaiming the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Instead of just teaching about Christ. A lot of times, churches nowadays are trying to fulfill people's personal needs instead. But as we can see here, as Jesus Christ came, as Jesus Christ came, he was very different. He was a different type of Messiah at that time. He was a different type of king. As Pastor Joe alluded to, he did not come riding on a horse as a warrior king would have done. He did not come with an army, but he came with a bunch of fishermen. He came riding on a donkey. You see, because even though us, many times, our plans are a certain way, when God provides things for us, he provides it as according to his purpose and not so much as according 
to our purpose. He provides it for us as according to his will and not so much as according to our will. And we just have to trust in God when God provides things for us and it doesn't live up to our expectations. And we may be very, very disappointed in what God gives us, but he always has a better purpose than what we can understand. And we just have to trust in God. And we see, we see that even though Jesus didn't live up to the expectations of the people at that time, he fulfilled the will of God. He fulfilled the will of God. And as we talked about, he came on, on a donkey. He came on a donkey showing us, showing us a sign of humility. That the kingdom of God is very, very different from the kingdom of men. The kingdom of God is very different from the kingdom of men. And where men will, will war against each other. Where men will fight against each other to develop their kingdom. God came on a donkey showing that he's going to develop his kingdom based upon peace and based upon humility. And that's the reason why he, he came on a donkey instead of on a horse. To show us the difference between the kingdom of men and the kingdom of God. And a lot of times we don't understand the difference and we try to combine the both together inside the church or inside the Christian community. And we end up with a lot of, a lot of issues, a lot of division in the church when we don't realize that there is a big, big difference here. There's a big, big difference here between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of men. Where the kingdom of God will fight against other men, I mean the kingdom of men will fight against other men, the kingdom of God understands that the war is not against other people. That the war is not against other men, that the war is not against other culture other nations, but that the war that we have to defeat, the thing that we have to defeat is sin. It is sin. And that's why Christ came. Christ came to defeat sin, to pay the price for us. He knows that, you know, it doesn't matter how many people we, we go out there and conquer, how many nations we go out there and conquer, unless we can conquer this thing called sin, then we're not going to get anywhere. We're not going to get anywhere. You see nations, people, you know, kingdoms of men, and we've been fighting against each other for thousands and thousands and thousands of years, and never, we never resolve anything. We just continue doing the same thing over and over and over again, just killing each other over and over again, and we never resolve anything. We never solve the problem. There's never a resolution. There may be peace for a certain period of time, but that peace doesn't last long. And so God shows us here, or Jesus Christ shows us here, as he's coming into Jerusalem, that the war is not against other men. The war is not against other nations, but the war is against sin. And the war is against sin. And that's what we have to conquer. That's what we have to defeat. Another thing we see about the donkey is that the donkey was being tied up. The donkey was tied up. And in the Gospel of Luke, it teaches us that the donkey was never ridden before. It was never ridden before. And it was being tied up. And the disciples were going. And they had to untie that donkey so that it can be used for its purpose. 
A lot of times when I think about this, I think about my own life. I think about myself. Many times in our lives, we're tied up with so many things. We're tied up with so many things in our lives that it keeps us from being used by God. And it requires that we are, we're, we are untied. It requires that, that Christ comes and untie us so that he can use us for his purpose. What is it in your life? What is it in my life that's tying us up and not allowing us to be used by God to the fullest of our potential? What is it? Sometimes some of the things that tie us up really comes with you know, our pursuit for the things of this world, our pursuit for wealth, our pursuit for other things of this world. And it ties us up so much that God cannot, that God is not, cannot use us to the fullest of our potential. And we need to be untied from those things. And that's what Jesus Christ will do for us. He will untie us. And another thing we see is that the donkey was never used before. The donkey was never ridden before. And once it, it is untied, it was finally being ridden by Christ. You see, the donkey had no other purpose except to be used by God. The donkey existed for that whole reason, was to be born for that whole reason, to be used by Jesus Christ as he entered into Jerusalem. That's us. A lot of us were like that. Our purpose is to be used by God. Our purpose is to be used by Christ. And we, we just need someone, or we just need Christ to come along and just untie us from all those things that are keeping us from serving Him, that are keeping us from allowing God to use us to the fullest of our potential. Not only that, what we also see here in the Scripture is that Jesus Christ fulfilled a prophecy. By riding that donkey, He fulfilled a prophecy from Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. Zechariah lived about 500 years before Jesus Christ did. About 500 to 600 years before Jesus Christ did. And he fulfilled that, that prophecy. Mathematicians, they put it this way when they talk about prophecies of the scriptures. They say that for one person to just fulfill eight prophecies, that will be one out of ten with 17 zeros after that. Okay, so I don't, I don't even know what that number is. <laughs> Maybe you guys might know. I don't know what that number is. They also say that one person fulfilling 48 prophecies will be 1 out of 10 to the 57th power. One person, such as Jesus Christ, fulfilling over 300 prophecies of the Old Testament in Christ's life. Fulfilling over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament. That's nearly impossible. But Christ, He fulfilled that. And so we see that even though Jesus didn't live up to the expectation of the people of his time. He was fulfilling the will of God. He was fulfilling God's purpose. He was fulfilling God's purpose. But I also want us to understand, I, I don't have time to go over 300 plus prophecies with us today, okay? <laughs> but the prophecies of Jesus Christ did not start. It did not start towards the end of human history, but it started at the beginning. In the Garden of Eden, right after the fall, right after the fall of Adam and Eve. 
Here, here, I'm going to read that for us in Genesis chapter 3. And we see God saying, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offsprings and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. And we go on and we read in verse 21 of Genesis chapter 3, and we, we see Jesus, uh, God saying, The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. God had to sacrifice an animal to close Adam and Eve. After they shamed themselves, after they rebelled against God, after they were being disobedient against God, they tried to sow fig leaves around themselves. They tried to cover their own shame, but they couldn't do it. And God came along and God is saying that the only way that, I'm, that, that your shame is going to be covered is if I make a sacrifice for you. It's if I provide the sacrifice for you. I provide the covering for you. I provide the clothes for you. You see, the prophecies of Jesus Christ started way, way, way at the beginning of human history. In Genesis, already. And throughout the old, whole Old Testament, there's over 300 prophecies that Christ fulfilled. That Christ fulfilled. And once again, I want us to understand that even though he did not live up to the expectations of his people, he lived up to the will of God. He fulfilled the will of God. And as he came in, they're, they're putting palms, laying palms on the ground, welcoming him. They were acknowledging him as the king. They were acknowledging, proclaiming victory, welcoming him as the king. For, for the Israelites, palms, using palms and laying them down, down on the ground, it's, it's a sign of declaring their own independence. And as the Roman soldiers, I, I, I can only imagine, as the Roman government were, were watching them on that day, and they were doing these things, and they, they were, you know, putting palms out, declaring their own independence. One of the things that I keep thinking to myself is this. They were pro the Roman government, they were probably just laughing at these people. Because here the king was coming, and they were throwing all these things out on the ground for their king, and yet their king was riding on a donkey. They probably didn't, they probably didn't even take that seriously. Because kings at that time, like we said, they ride on, on horses. And here Jesus Christ came in riding on a donkey. We also realized one thing, that he also impacted people wherever he went. And in the scriptures, in the scripture we read that the whole city was stirred up. As he entered into that city, into the city of Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up. And as they were stirred up, they asked, who is this? Who is this? This is the question that we talked about a couple weeks ago. When Jesus turned to his disciples and said, who do you say that I am? It's the very same question. And the people of Jerusalem were, were there and they were asking, who is this person? As he, as he came, as he was going into the, in Jerusalem, he was just stirring up the whole city. It made everybody curious about who exactly is this Jesus Christ. And the question I want to ask for us today is that as Christ comes into your life, how has he stirred up your life? How has he stirred up your heart? How has he changed your life? I want us to really reflect upon that this week. As we go through, through Holy Week or Passion Week, I, I want us to really reflect upon that. How has Christ stirred up my life? 
How has Christ changed my life? And we're, gonna, we're going to conclude this on Philippians chapter 2, the verse that was read here on Philippians chapter 2, which says that we are to have the same mind as Jesus Christ. We are to have the same attitude like Jesus Christ. And even though he was God himself, he didn't, you know, he was willing to humble himself and become a servant and to die on the cross and to be in absolute obedience to the will of God. And the Son of God, Jesus Christ, was able to say that I am not here to do my will, but I am here to do the Father's will. I am here to do my Father's will. How about you and I in our life? Can we make that same proclamation? That as we follow Jesus Christ, that we are not here simply for our own will. But Father, we are here to do your will. We're here to do your will. We're talking, we're talking about, we're not talking about just changing our behavior here. We're not talking about that. We're not talking about just trying to imitate what Jesus Christ did. But what we're talking about here is we're talking about a regenerated heart, a transformed heart, and a transformed life. A life that's been so radically changed. So radically changed that we can finally proclaim that, Father, we are here to do your will and not my will. You know, the freedom of the wisdom, the wisdom of this world often teaches us that freedom is about us pursuing our own desires. It is about us pursuing our very own will. And when we're able to do this, we celebrate, say, yes, I'm finally able to do, do what I want to do. But with the freedom of God, it is much, much more different. Because it's so much more worthy than doing our own will. As the song says, I once was blind, but now I see. But now I see. Because finally as Christ comes into our lives, as he stirs up our lives, we are, we are empowered by God. The freedom of, from God empowers us to finally open up our eyes and to finally say that we are not here for our own heart's desire. We're not here for our own will, but we're here for the will of God. And we are now finally free, free to finally pursue not our desires, but the desires of God's own heart. And we are now free to finally live in Him. We're free to finally live for Him. We're not here to simply uphold certain laws. We're not here to simply try to imitate certain Christian behavior. Because we just have no power. We just have no power in us to live out the Christian life. There is no power in us to live out the Christian life. And the only way for us to live out the Christian life is if Christ is in us and he's being imparted into us and he's living in us and he's living through us. Apart from that, there is no power. There is no power to live the Christian life. And a lot of Christians, they come to Christ and they try to live the Christian life out of their own power, out of their own will. And they find out it's a very, very, very frustrating life. It's a very frustrating life. The only way to live out the Word of God, to, to live out the life 
of a Christian is to have Christ living in you and through you. As Christ stirred up the city of Jerusalem in his triumphal entry, I want to ask you, how has Christ stirred up your life? I pray that Christ has stirred up, that will stir up our lives, stir up our church to the point in which we can make the same proclamation that Jesus Christ did. That we are not here to do our will, but we are here to do the will of the Father. So let us pray. Father, we thank you so much, Father. We thank you so much for this day. We thank you so much for your son. We remember his sufferings. We remember his passion. We remember his sacrifices. We remember his death upon that cross. Father, he did it all because of us. And he did it for us to glorify you, Father. Father, I ask that you stir up our lives, you stir up our church. So we will be a church that can proclaim that we are not here to do our will, but Father, we are here to do your will. We're not here to seek our desires, but Father, we're here to seek your heart's desire. Father, let us follow you, follow you every step of the way. Let us go with you wherever you go, wherever you lead. Let us follow. So, Father, I lift up our church to you. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. It's time to do offering.